Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and you're on Educate for Life Radio. My website's educateforlife.org if you want to check it out. And our topic today is, what if you could feel no pain? Uh, you may or may not know there is a particular genetic disorder which makes it so a person has no pain. One of the kids that, that has this disease, Jordan Anthony Dungy, he was diagnosed at age two by doctors at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore with a rare incurable genetic condition. It's called congenital insensitivity to pain with anhydrosis. And he's the son of a very famous football coach, Tony Dungy. Uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, won the Super Bowl, and he's now a sports commentator, uh, very famous. But his son was born without any pain. And, uh, you know, when I talk to my students about this in class, their initial reaction is, whoa, that would be awesome. I mean, you, you could play football, and you're not going to feel any pain. You're just going to keep going, so nothing's going to stop you. And uh, initially, that's a lot of our reaction is, wow, that would be amazing to be born without pain. Now, uh, Tony Dungy's son, Jordan, he can feel um, a, a light uh, pressure on his body when you touch him, but a slap or a, a touch is the same. And so he can't tell the difference. Now, think about it. If you're, if you're thinking about it, what else, what would, a, what would happen to a child who is growing up feeling no pain? Uh, as you begin to think about it, you start to realize, you know what? Maybe that's not a good thing like I thought it was a good thing. And uh, maybe that's, that's not such a good thing. And so this is important because uh, when we're discussing Christianity and we're discussing our faith, what, what uh, a lot of times comes up is why does God allow suffering and pain in the world? And I've talked to quite a few atheists, and very frequently they'll, they'll tell me uh, God shouldn't allow evil in the world. And I'll say, what constitutes evil? What, is, what do you mean by that? And they'll say any kind of suffering. Uh, but of course, the problem with that is that not all suffering, not all pain is necessarily bad. And a lot of good things actually can come out of suffering and pain. But real quickly, uh, if you're listening, think about it. What what do you think would be the problem with raising a child who could feel no pain? Uh, my my uh, I have no guest on the radio program today, but my uh, producer, my assistant here, Robert Droz in studio. Hey, Robert, right off the top of your head, uh, anything come to mind that uh, would be a problem raising a kid that, ha that could feel no pain? Um, well, there's the classic uh, hand on the stove example. Yeah. Like, how do you learn not to do that? Right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? You know, that's it. one of the things that jo uh, Tony Dungy brings up is that his son can't learn a lesson uh, by pain. Pain teaches you things, right? So he has to tell his son, don't put your hand on the stove. Uh, he can't feel extreme heat or extreme cold. And so he can, you can tell him, don't do this, but he doesn't learn it, right, necessarily by experience because he can't feel the pain. And so that's a, a huge problem uh, as Jordan Dungy was growing up is that he couldn't tell that something was wrong, right? He runs around the house, runs into the table, and whereas, uh, you know, another child might go run to their parents and say, ouch, that hurt, and you can explain that's why we don't run in the house, uh, Jordan wouldn't get that. He would just keep running in the house because he felt no pain. And another one that comes up that a lot of people don't think about is uh, he actually, they had to watch him very closely whenever he would play with other kids because he was too rough because he doesn't know what a normal punch feels like or a normal kick, right? And so uh, Jordan is going around kicking and punching people and wrestling with them in a way that's very painful for other kids. But for Jordan, there's no pain involved. And so again here, we see that pain serves a purpose. Uh, something we take for granted, 
uh, actually serves a purpose. Another thing that this kid did was he he pulled out all his baby teeth because it didn't hurt him before they were going to come out. He pulled out his baby teeth. Uh, and when it got to adult teeth, uh, his father said, look it, you can't do this again because you don't get more teeth. Right. So there's another thing. Um, Tony also describes how when they would play catch, they'd be throwing the ball and his son would dive on the grass. But then you'd throw the ball. And if, if it was on the concrete, the driveway, he'd dive on the on the, the driveway also. And so you'd have to explain to him, look, you can't jump onto concrete. It's not the same as jumping in a pool. Right. You, you can't do that. Right. And so here's something that for most of us we take for granted. But um, God has a purpose to our pain. So uh, whether it's a toothache, whether it's, you know, a pain in your chest that's indicating that a, a, heart, a, a heart attack is potentially um, coming or any, any kind of other pain, a lot of the pains we experience are there because they help us to avoid problems that are coming or deal with problems before they get too bad. And so not all pain and suffering is a bad thing. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think is also really interesting in how this translates over is emotional pain. Now, of course, his son can experience emotional pain, even though he can't experience physical pain. But um, and, and they've used emotional pain to try to uh, help him to learn because you, you can't discipline through spanking. You can't discipline. Uh, you know, he doesn't understand the consequences of of what he's done. They, uh, Tony said that one time he 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 uh, or maybe multiple times climbed up to the top of a slide while he's playing tag and just jumped right off the top of the slide broke his leg and then kept on running, right? And so uh, he doesn't feel that pain of a broken leg. So so um, what about emotional pain? Emotional pain in our lives is, uh, think about that for yourself. When was the last time you felt emotional pain? Emotional pain oftentimes is an indication that, hey, maybe there's not something right in my relationship. Maybe there's not something right in my friendship or my marriage or, or whatever the case. We feel emotional pain. And so uh, it really changes your perspective when you look at the pain in your life and you ask, why is this happening in my life? Why is God allowing this or why is this happening? And is there something that I need to be aware of that maybe uh, I'm not conducting myself in the proper way in a particular relationship? Uh, maybe I'm, I'm um, not giving due consideration to somebody else or, or maybe I'm being selfish or whatever the case might be. Those emotional pains often are an indicator that either maybe we're not behaving properly or somebody we're in a relationship with is not behaving properly. And that is helpful to us because that warns us that, hey, maybe I need to back off of that relationship. Um, and I've seen that in my own life and I, I've seen that in others' lives where uh, there's a, a relationship that's potentially harmful um, and the pain that I'm experiencing indicates maybe I need to back off that friendship a little bit. Um, because of the fact that uh, it's not a healthy relationship. So what we're talking about today is this sort of thing. It is an apologetics topic. Our whole radio program is geared around apologetics, which the word apologetics just comes from apologia, meaning to defend. And what we're doing is we're defending the biblical view of, of reality. And so when we deal with the issue, you know, a lot of people will say, skeptics will say, atheists, agnostics will say, I don't believe in God because if there was a good God, he would not allow the amount of pain and suffering I see in the world. And so th this is what we're talking about today. And I wanted to start off because I think that's a really interesting story, uh, what, what uh, Jordan Dungy has gone through with that, um, 
th that inability to feel physical pain. And, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis has a very interesting quote. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think more often than not, when we have pain in our life, it causes us to sit up and pay attention and go, wait a second, what's happening here? Why is this happening? What is God uh, trying to communicate to me? Um, if, if a person's not a believer, that pain will often steer them back to the big questions in life. Why am I here? Where am I going? What is my purpose? And cause us to uh, reevaluate what we think. Uh, I, I always use the example, when, you know, when after 9-11 happened, they said the churches in New York were full. They were packed full of people uh, because people were going, why is this pain happening? And so when everything's going great, we tend to just cruise along, and oftentimes uh, we pay no attention to, you know, eternity or the, the big questions. We just uh, go on with our lives, enjoying our lives. But oftentimes it's the pain that causes us to sit back and reflect and go, am I really living my life in a way that is God-honoring and that is also um, – uh, has in eternity in mind. Uh, I'm looking at a bigger picture. And so I really like that quote by C.S. Lewis. Um, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, um, if you're familiar with this story, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Uh, and, and if you've uh, read Genesis at all or you've, you've been in Sunday school at all, you know that that quote is from Joseph. And Joseph had one of the hardest lives that there was in the Bible he, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, never got to see his mother and father again for a very long time, actually never got to see his mother again. She died before he was reconnected with his family. And then when he was in Egypt, when he was sold into Egypt, he was working really hard for Potiphar, trying to be, um, do, do his best under that uh, adverse circumstance. He was framed for trying to take advantage of a, uh, Potiphar's wife. She was actually trying to seduce him. He had done right. Potiphar ends up putting him in prison, and he's back in prison again, and uh, finally he ends up as second in command of all Egypt. And this is at the end of his life, Genesis 50, 20, where he says, uh, you brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And so we see again that out of his suffering comes good. And so suffering is not always bad. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 is one of my favorite verses. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so, again, that scripture is emphasizing that, and, and any athlete knows this too, or anybody that's gone through difficult times to achieve some great goal, knows that it takes a lot of perseverance, and often that involves pain, in order to get to that uh, gold medal, to become that uh, athlete. So um, when we get back, we're going to continue this discussion. We're, we're up on a break here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about why did God allow pain in the world in the first place? Couldn't he have created a world where there was no pain at all? Why is it even necessary? We know he does, you know, make good out of pain, but uh, I'd rather do without it, right? You know, I, I think that's how a lot of us feel. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. 
LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. educate for life thanks for listening today i'm your host kevin conover glad you're here we're streaming all over the place on facebook and youtube and periscope and uh everywhere we can think of and uh we've got all kinds of amazing shows you can check them out on our youtube channel or on our podcast love to have you like them or uh comment love to hear people's comments and thoughts and uh we also have a whole uh curriculum online that answers all the tough questions people have about god and the bible you know, was there really a worldwide flood? Where's the evidence? What about creation and evolution? What about all the different religions in the world? Uh, you know, there's a, a bazillion questions people have. And uh, I've been teaching this for now 12 years now. I've been teaching a Christian apologetics to high school students and adults. And um, so that's what our website's all about. And i uh, love to have you chime in or join or uh, check us out. So today we're talking about suffering. And... Um, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says something really interesting. It says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, I've, I've had, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I've been through a, a, a you know, certain amount of pain in my own life. Everybody's gone through a certain amount of pain. And um, I have a da- little daughter with cystic fibrosis, and we were just in the hospital for nine days uh, over um, Christmas, right before Christmas. She was getting a feeding tube um, in order to help her gain weight. And my wife and I have had these discussions about why did God allow this to happen to our daughter? And, and, and uh, you know, she says, you know, I don't want, I don't want to um, have eternal glory and I, I don't want to have rewards in heaven. I just don't want to have this pain now. <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of us feel is, you know, God, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I, I appreciate that you're trying to grow my character and help me to become a better person, but I'd rather uh, just not have the pain. And, I, I, you know, whatever you're doing in life, you know, whether you're trying to um, start a business, whether you're trying to become a better athlete, whether you're trying to uh, become a better spouse or a better parent, there's always pain involved. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and Robert just said uh, off the air, no pain, no gain. I think that's pretty much the main, you know, we hear that all the time. And it's very cliche, but in a lot of ways it's very true uh, that that's the case. Um, why... Why did God put the tree in the garden in the first place? Uh, Robert, what are your thoughts on that? Why did God put the tree in the I mean, he could have made Adam and Eve, and it says that he, he told them, don't eat from the tree in the garden. And I, I used to think, you know, I have, a, I have an answer now, but I used to think to myself, how about he just never put that tree in there in the first place? Then they, they would never have eaten it, and we'd all live forever. Any thoughts? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot over the years, and I think it really comes down to giving them a choice in the matter of whether they want to follow him or not. I think that's probably the main reason. Yeah. And then that obviously leads to a lot more things to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as a Christian, I think we're trying to answer these questions because we're trying to make sense of what the Bible teaches and and how the world is laid out. And I think um, that tree in the garden is one of the most important aspects of creation. 
and what God has essentially given us. Um, the Bible says that to love God is to obey God. And, you know, I, w when I have these conversations with my students, you know, talk is cheap. Anybody can say they love you, but in order for you to know that they love you, it has to be demonstrated. It actually has to be acted out. You can't just say, I love you, I love you, right? If I, if I come home and I tell my wife, I love you, honey, and she says, okay, would you mind, um, you know, making the kids dinner? A and I say, ah, I'm going to watch some TV. Uh, and then a little while later, she says, hey, uh, would you mind uh, helping with the laundry or taking the dog out for a walk? And I say, uh, you know what? I've got some other stuff I got to do. I really got to get catch up on my nap and uh, got to get some sleep. And then a little while later, we're, we're sleeping and, and she wants some water. And she says, would you mind getting me some water? And I say, ah, you know what, hon? I, I think you really need to get it yourself. Uh, you know, that's really not going to go over that well. After a while, she's going to say, stop saying you love me because everything you do uh, says you don't love me. And it's really interesting that God really is in the same situation that the tree was a, an opportunity for Adam and Eve not to just say they love God, but actually to love God um, through the way they behave, right? So, so I think that uh, applies to all of us, uh, and, and that's significant. Now, why is God so concerned about us showing him, right, that we love him? Um, because love is an action. Uh, you can love somebody without feeling loving, right? So, you may be, quote, in love with somebody. And typically when somebody says, I'm in love with them, right? I've got a lot of students uh, at school. They're, they're dating people for the first time, and they're in love with people. But there's a big difference between, quote, being in love with somebody and being loving towards somebody, right? So if, if all our relationships depended upon how we feel day to day, the reality is we would be in and out of relationships all day long. Um, but somebody can treat me poorly, and I can still act lovingly towards them. And, and uh, you know, if, if uh, my, my child says something to me that's uh, not very nice, which kids do this sometimes, right? They speak their mind, and they, they don't have a lot of life experience, so they say, they say mean things to you. Um, I can still tuck them in at night. I can still give them a hug. And I may not feel like it. My feelings may be different, but I can still do that. And that's what love really is. It's It's... True love is not based or dependent upon how I feel. It's something I do because I want to be loving. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, isn't that inauthentic to, to act loving to somebody when you don't feel loving? I want to be authentic. I want to I really be who I am. But, no, uh, I would disagree with that. Uh, you can still say, I don't feel loving towards you, but I am going to love you um, through the way I act. And, I think the Bible says Christ demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Now, I don't think God was happy about the fact that, uh, that Jesus Christ was going to die on the cross, but the fact of the matter is he followed through on that because he's loving and he loved us. And so that's a really important point. Um, so so uh, love seems to be, according to God, the highest ideal, and we see this in the scriptures over and over again, faith, hope, and love, uh, but the greatest of these is love, Paul says. And, and so you cannot have love in a world where you do not have the freedom to choose. Now, what does this have to do with suffering? Well, ultimately, we could ask the question, 
why is it that God doesn't turn every bullet into putty and every knife into jello? So we look at um, God in the Bible. He does miracles, right? He'll heal somebody. Uh, Jesus Christ heals a blind man or raises somebody from the dead or, or whatever the case. Why doesn't he always do this? Why doesn't he stop bullets? Uh, or a bullet comes out of the gun, it's flying through the air, and halfway th there it turns to putty and uh, just falls to the ground, right? Or somebody's got a knife, and they're about to stab somebody, and as it hits their body, it turns to jello and mush and just falls through your hands. And, and uh, this doesn't happen. So why is that? Any thoughts on that, Robert? That's a pretty uh, deep question <laughs> there. Yeah, that is definitely a big question. But yeah. I think... I don't know. A world like that would be a world with no consequences for actions. And it's like, I don't know. I don't think that's a world in which humans are designed to be because you could never grow. You could never gain character. You could never learn like what's important and why if none of your actions or anyone else's actions could have real negative consequences. Because yeah. we learn so much more from the negative consequences, I think, than the positive. Like, yeah, we learn from yeah. both, but the yeah. negative ones, it's like, a real lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that's totally true. I think, you know, um, the, the, the truth of the matter is if that God cleaned up w after us our bad decisions with miracles every time, then essentially we could make, make no moral decisions. There literally wouldn't be a bad moral decision because you couldn't, there would be no negative consequences to anything. And so essentially a world like that would be a world in which there was no moral choices. And if there's no moral choices, then what does that mean? It means there's no opportunity to demonstrate love. So remember, love is God's highest ideal. The Bible actually says God is love. And so God desires to be in relationship with us. And he, Im he is even in relationship within himself. The Trinity is this emphasis on relationship, three personalities in one God. It's three persons in one God. That's the Trinity. So he's in relationship even within himself. And then we are in relationship with one another, and we are in relationship with him. But... The Bible over and over again says that love must be demonstrated. Why did Abraham have to go um, sacrifice his son? What in the world was that all about? Um, you'll hear pe people talking about that. It just seems crazy. Why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? Well, for Abraham, his greatest, the greatest thing for him in his whole life was his son. And God was saying, am I greater than even your son? This was a, a way that that Abraham could show his love for God. Now, uh, the, the ending of the story is God stopped him from sacrificing his son, but he said, now I know that you revere me, that you respect me, that you love me, because you are willing to not even um, withhold from me your only son. Okay, we're coming up on a break here, but um, we're going to continue this discussion, and we're going to talk about, um, you know there's free will in heaven, but uh, why didn't God just start out with heaven? Why do we have earth before we have heaven? What's the point of that? Um, it seems like we could have saved a lot of heartache and pain if we just started with heaven instead of having earth, then heaven. Okay, so stay with us. We're going to be right back. This is a great, a great uh, topic to, to think through, and, um, and uh, glad that you're here with us. We'll be right back.
When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Thanks for being with us here today. I'm Kevin Conover, your host, and you're on Educate for Life. Uh, If you'd like to check out our website, educateforlife.org.org, you can um, get all kinds, sign up for all kinds of classes there. It's only $4.99 a month, and you have a subscription. It's a two-year curriculum. Um, If you have kids, it's a great curriculum to go through. It's also uh, great for uh, adults to go through through a Bible study or or, uh, just on your own even. It really helps you to have a comprehensive understanding of the Word of God and enables you to become more and more confident in your ability to share the Word of God. Uh, Because what I've found is that once we have answers to some of the tough questions that people ask, it gives us a lot more peace and confidence when we're talking to people about our faith or wanting to invite people to church um, when we are able. And, And one of the most common questions people ask, which is what we're discussing today, is why does God allow suffering? evil and hell in the world what why does he have hell even right and why is there suffering and evil in the world and what it's one of the common um questions that skeptics ask or the reason they give for why they don't believe they say look at if god was all good and he was all powerful then he wouldn't allow the kind of suffering and evil we say we see in the world in fact um some people will say you know if god really existed he could have done a better job with the world than the one we we are in today and it's called the better world argument and um, so some people will say God should have made no world at all. Now, <laughs> that's an interesting one um, because, you know, I had a student come to me a few years back. Sadly, this kid was uh, suicidal. He was actually um, talking about killing himself. And I, I got to talking to him and he said, um, he said, my life is awful. It's been awful. I don't even know why God made me. And. I, I, I'd rather God never made, made, made me. In fact, he said, I don't think God is real because if he were real, he wouldn't have made me um, and he wouldn't have made anybody. Now, uh, that's that's tough uh, to hear from a kid. We we talked for a long time and he came out on the other side and uh, changed his mind about uh, his life and also about God's existence. Uh, praise the Lord. But but uh, we talked for quite a while about that off and on. And. Uh, and the reality is, is that if you were to say it, it'd be better if God made no world at all, this really isn't a good uh, comparison. It's kind of like saying, um, I want to compare an apple to no apple. Well, you, you're really not comparing it to anything. So it, logically, it's not really a good comparison. Nothing and something have nothing in common to compare. So not really a good one. Now, some people will say um, God c- should have made a world with no free creatures. Um there just shouldn't be any creatures that are free to make decisions. Now, the difficulty with this uh, is simply because um, the difficulty is that one is a moral world and the other is a non-moral world. Now, what does that mean? So animals, generally speaking, most theologians, most people who, who think about these issues, animals are cause and effect 
machines, essentially. Now, um, it, it definitely looks like maybe some of them have free will, but uh, they, can, they don't make moral decisions, right? So the issue is, is um, if we had a world where there was no moral decisions to be made, then that would be a world where there was no love. So you, you'd have a world that didn't have love. Now, again, we're back to this issue that God uh, seems to place love as the highest ideal. His very nature is love. And relationship is that important to him. So you, you, the, the depth of the relationships that God is looking for uh, requires that people are able to make moral decisions. Why? Because the ability to make a moral decision is the premier, it is the highest um, evidence of love. Meaning, um, when I make a decision that is a selfless decision, right, in which I put my place second, to somebody else, somebody else's needs, it shows them that I love them, right? Love requires sacrifice. Um, this is why, you know, I, I had a friend. He was a, um, a surfer, and he was newly married, and for his wife's birthday, he bought her a rundown VW van. Now, if you remember these from a long time ago, they're, they're just junkers. And his wife, as soon as she saw it, he brought her out to show her. He, she started crying. And <laughs> Why did she start crying? Because she knew that the present was not for her. It was for him. Uh, he bought it saying it was for her, but it was actually for him. So how did she know that? Because, well, love takes sacrifice. It's saying, I'm going to get you something that's not for me. It's for you. I'm going to spend my money, and I'm going to buy you something, right? So that being the case, um, they're, they're a non-free world wouldn't have any love. Now, some people have said, what about making a free world where people can't sin? They can't break any rules. Well, uh, again, that's actually a contradiction. What do we mean by that? Well, the word free means can do otherwise, means you can do something else. And a free world that can't sin is a world in which you're not really technically free. Yeah, Robert? So um, there's an interesting issue that kind of shoots off of this which someone then might ask you, well, then how can we be free in heaven if there's not going to be evil there? Yeah. Does that mean we're not free there? That's a great and question. And I have some thoughts about that, but I also okay, want okay, to yeah. ask you about it. I don't, let's not get, get uh, too far ahead here because we're going to get to that. But okay, yeah. I, I love that you brought that up because um, and that is probably a question running through maybe some of the people listening, their mind right now is, yeah. well, heaven is going to be a place in which we're free, right? We still have free will, but we can't sin. So... Um, we will answer that question, but um, let's hold off a little bit because that's kind of the uh, the exciting, uh, you know, yeah, conclusion. So, <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, yeah. So um, let's look at the next one. Here's two of them that are really interesting, and this really reflects off of the point Robert just made. A free world that would not sin may not be actually possible. It's possible that God could not actually create a world, a free world, in which people would never sin. Um, so somebody might might try to make the case that God could have made a world where nobody sins, but but it's it's possible that's not possible. So uh, and it may be morally inf inferior. Okay, now um, what's what's interesting here too is, uh, you know, if you have a free world where you would not sin or could not sin, you know, it's kind of like me at my home telling my son you're not allowed to have any sweets okay you're not allowed to have any sugar 
and then basically we never have any sugar or sweets in our house. Well, I couldn't say, wow, my son really is showing me how he loves me through obeying me uh, because he never eats anything that's sugary, right? But there's nothing ever in the house, right? So if you had a world that was like that, well, you still wouldn't have the opportunity to demonstrate love. Now, again, Robert said, well, what about heaven? And I think that's a very good question. Excuse me. Okay, so this this sentence right here that I'm about to share with you is kind of the the crux of the issue. I think this is one of the best answers I've ever heard to the issue of why there is suffering in the world. This is not the best world possible. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, right from the very beginning, Adam and Eve sin, Cain kills Abel, uh, and, and things just start getting bad from there on out. In Genesis, it says that the whole world was filled with violence. God was so upset about it. The whole flood is based off of the fact that the, the world was filled with violence. And so uh, we look around us today, and there is violence and pain and suffering all over the world. And I think it's absolutely obvious that this is not the best world possible. But it may be the best way to the best world. And I think that right there is really powerful. This may not be the best world possible, but it may be the best way to the best world possible. What does that mean? Why does God allow suffering and evil in the world? Permitting evil is necessary to producing higher goods, right? You don't have courage without danger. You don't have patience without tribulation. You don't have character without adversity. And you don't have forgiveness without sin. Interestingly enough, Jesus Christ said something pretty profound. He said, he who loves much, he who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. Well, well, the interesting thing about that is what that means is that the person that makes the most mistakes ends up being the person that is also the most loving. And so our trials and our tri tribulations, um, Robert, did you have that verse, Romans 5? What was that? Do you have that handy? Yeah. So um, it's Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Should I read it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. Amen. That's awesome. And what's interesting about that is that, is that progression, right? From suffering to endurance, endurance to character, and character to hope. Um, you know, my, my daughter was in the hospital over the December uh, getting a feeding tube. And what's interesting about her circumstance is that she's growing very quickly. Uh, she had to have a IV put in, a pick line put in. She's had tons of shots. And I've had to hold her hand through that process, my wife and I. And it was interesting because at the end when they were going to pull the pick line out, because she had been crying before, but slowly what happened was she stopped crying with these things. They didn't. They didn't bother her as much anymore. And I saw this trials producing en endurance and endurance producing uh, character. And at the end, she actually wanted to watch the doctors. She asked if she could pull a pick line out. And if you know what a pick line is, it, it's a line that goes all the way to your heart. And she wanted to pull it out, not just watch it. She wanted to do it herself. And I was like, whoa, that's I intense, right? Here's this little nine-year-old girl. And I, my wife's like, I have to go. I have to look the other way. And she wants to pull it out. Right. So I don't know. Maybe she has uh, uh, the med medical field in her future. But here's the thing. 
the fact of the matter is, is that her character produces hope. How? Because she can say, I've been through this and I have hope to get through more. And when somebody else comes to her and goes, I don't know if I can get through this, uh, she can say, I know you can because I've been through it before. And so character produces hope. Now, um, we're still going to get to this. Uh, we're, we're, we've got one more segment left. Stay with us. We're going to talk about this incredible idea that this world is the best way to the best world. What does that mean exactly, and why is it so important for your faith and your trust in God? Stay with us. We're going to be right back. This is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hey, thanks for being with us today. I hope you're enjoying the program. We're talking about suffering and evil in the world. Why does it exist? And, uh, I, you know, I want to uh, preface this with the, the fact that Sometimes when you're dealing with somebody that's going through suffering, or maybe you yourself are going through suffering, uh, it's not always an intellectual issue. It's an emotional issue. And so it doesn't always help to give intellectual answers to emotional problems, right? So I just want to clarify that if you have a friend or you know somebody who's going through very hard times, the best thing you can do for them, I would encourage you, is what the Word of God says. It says, mourn with those who mourn. And what you're doing is you're just coming alongside that person and you're being present with them. A lot of times we think, um, you know, I don't know what to say to somebody who's going through a lot of pain. And we, we sometimes will even keep our distance because we feel so inadequate when it comes to what somebody's going through. Let's say they have a kid that has cancer or they themselves have cancer or some other huge tragedy. And we might even avoid them because we're thinking to ourselves, we're thinking to ourselves, I have no idea how to help this person. Um, but the reality is, is that the best help you can give them is not an answer to the, to the issue of suffering. It's your presence, meaning just hanging out with them, doing the dishes, mopping the floors, um, uh, reading a book. Just even you being there with them without saying a word uh, is healing and, and helpful uh, to a person. So don't allow your inability to answer the question of suffering prevent you from being a comfort to somebody. Um, God has designed us emotionally to heal emotionally, right? So if somebody has an emotional problem, I heal it with emotional comfort. If somebody has an intellectual problem, I approach it intellectually. And the world is always asking the question, why is there suffering and evil in the world? And so that's uh, a big part of what we're answering today is that question. So let's get back to the issue of the best way to the best world. Uh, what does that mean exactly? In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says this. Then he said to them, my soul, this is Jesus Christ talking, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, what's interesting about this, this uh, dialogue between Christ and God the Father is Jesus himself is saying, is there a better way? Is there a better world that could have been made to get to our final goal? And we can infer, because God allowed Christ to go to the cross, we can infer that there is no better way. This is the best way to the best world, even though this world is not the best world. So uh, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And again, what this tells us is that God is allowing people to make their own decisions about whether they decide to follow God or not, whether they decide uh, to say, thy will be done, God, or whether they say, my will be done. C.S. Lewis said this, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. And I think this is really important to understand, that uh, God judges us based on what we do with what we know. Abraham, the Bible says, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. He demonstrated his faith, his loving love for God, his faith in God, his love for God, through what he did, through what he was willing to do. And God said, are you willing to love me more than anything in your life, including your own son? And Abraham demonstrated that he was. And uh, Robert, you brought up a great point um, yeah. earlier uh, off the air. Can you, can you uh, explain, your, explain that point again? Yeah, so concerning Abraham and Isaac, and this is actually, I think for at least hundreds of years, if not longer, this has been like a favorite point of atheists and skeptics where they're like, Clearly, this is just God being cruel. You can't justify it. He's just being a jerk. He's just asking Abraham to do something awful, and then he's like, never mind, or just kidding, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that's definitely not a fair representation of what's happening. But another, what's interesting is, God is actually giving Abraham and the readers of his word, like, a preview of what's going to happen with Jesus later. So it's far from a pointless event. What he's really doing is showing Abraham how difficult the thing that he himself is later going to do is and how much love it takes to be willing to give up your own son. Because in the end, God didn't make Abraham give up his own son, but he did give up his own son. And so Abraham probably knows better than anyone how difficult it was for God to allow Jesus to die for us. Mm -hmm. And like, um, there's just like, it would take so much love to be able to go through with that decision. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's incredible because... Um, like you were saying, I think, that, I think that's a brilliant point that God did not expect Abraham to do that. But God himself said, I, I am willing to do that. And God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And he died in our place. So we wouldn't have to die. He died. He, he paid the penalty for our own sin. And it's very clear. God is just. He cannot allow sin to go unpunished. He can't just look the other way. A good God must follow through with justice. He's incredibly fair. He's incredibly just. It's his very nature. He can't deny himself. And a good judge is always going to carry out the consequences for a crime. And so the, the reality is that each one of us uh, deserves to be punished, deserves that penalty. And yet Christ has said, I will take that penalty for you. And God died as a man through Jesus Christ. So here's what we know. Evil has not yet been destroyed. 
So the the typical uh, the typical argument from an atheist or a skeptic would be the Epicurus ar argument, which says if God were all good, he would destroy evil. If God were all powerful, he could destroy evil. Evil has not been destroyed. Therefore, there is no good, all-powerful God. That's the reasoning. That's the logic. But the actual response is this. If God were all good, he would destroy evil. If God were all powerful, he could destroy evil. Evil has not yet been destroyed. And our conclusion is evil will one day be destroyed by an all-good, all-powerful God. And the Bible actually talks about this. What does it say in Matthew chapter 25? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You know, um, tragically, uh, not too long ago, Christian Bale, actually when getting a, a award for a movie, uh, said he was inspired by Satan to play the role, to do a good job of playing the role. In his speech, I couldn't believe it. He was he thanked Satan for inspiring him. It was awful. Uh, you know, the the in Chicago they put up. I can't believe this, but it it happened. They put up a satanic goat statue. Um, and where does that come from? Well, the goat in the Bible, in this particular verse where Jesus is talking, goats represent those who do not follow the shepherd. Right? Goats. If you ever had a goat, they're kind of ornery, and they like to do their own thing, and they're they're troublemakers. But uh, sheep follow the, the shepherd, right? That's what they do. They go to the shepherd. And so the best way to the best world, what does that mean? It means that, that God is taking the opportunity to look at our heart through what we do. James says, he says, you have faith. I will show you my faith by my deeds. And this is why the Bible says, Jesus Christ says, the disciples ask Jesus, how do we know if somebody's really a Christian or not? And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, this is significant because God does not say you will know them by what's inside their mind, what's inside their heart. He says, you will know them by their fruits, by the way they live. How does that flesh out in real life? And so we can tell a person is going to heaven or not by the fruit that comes out of their life, whether they're a goat or a sheep. And interestingly enough, it looks like God's process of divining who is a sheep and a goat is what happens here on earth. That's what this process is all about. Because the people that end up in heaven are people who love God. There will be nobody in heaven who doesn't love God and desire what God desires. And the people who go to hell are the people who don't want God, who want nothing to do with God, who say, I want to do things my way, not your way. And this is the sheep and goat metaphor. I'm going to end on this one more verse. We're just about out of time here. But this is, again, one of my favorite verses. Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. And this is Jesus talking. He says, um, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But the master said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And, and the significance, again, is that God is parsing the wheat 
and the weeds. And this process is happening here in real time. As we live our lives, as we demonstrate whether we love God or don't love him through the way we live, through what we do. And, and that's what this whole process is about. So the, be the best way to the better world. Why is there suffering and evil in the world? If there was not suffering and evil in the world, there would be no morally significant decisions that could be made. If there were no morally significant decisions that could be made, there would be no way to demonstrate love. And ultimately, love is what divides the sheep and the goats. You are either loving, which is defined in, in obedience to God, or you are not loving. And so this is a, a very, very uh, amazing, and there's a lot more that could be said on it, but hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Hope it, hopefully it gives you some understanding. I really appreciate you being here with us today and taking the time to listen. I hope uh, if, if you're interested in more programs, I've got tons of interviews with experts from all over the world on our program, and we've got a full curriculum online that you can check out anytime. If you have questions, please email me. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Facebook or on uh, just by regular uh, email. So uh, thanks for being here, and uh, I hope you have a fantastic day. And uh, we'll be with you again next week, 1230, uh, in real time, Pacific Standard Time. God bless you. Take care.